We're live. Awesome. What's up, guys? Sean Bowen, Full Circle Investment Group, and WholesalingOutOfTheBox.com. Back at it again with another Lunchtime Live. So if you guys are joining us today, um, we are going to be talking about seller presentations. What does it look like when it's time to make an offer to a seller? Right? You've done all your legwork, you've gotten through all the inspections, and now you know it's time to make an offer, right? And not only are you gonna make an offer, but it's gonna be a really low one, right? So you're talking about, uh, and we'll just use some numbers, right? Where we'll use a case study of one that we had an issue with, and we did this. And um, we were trying a technique that I see some guys that were doing in the market lately, and of course we knew we shouldn't have, and we ended up doing it anyway. But Again, today we're going to talk about seller presentations and what it's like to make those offers. Okay. So, guys, if you're just joining us, please uh, join us or click on the link and it says where you can come in here and leave us comments. Tell us where you're coming in from. Uh, tell us where you're seeing this broadcast. And then, of course, for those people that are watching the replay, please leave us a comment and let us know the same things, right? We always want to know the reach that we're sitting or we're getting. And um, hopefully, the information is getting to you guys and it's helpful. Right, that's what these things are for. Um, lunchtime live, you have some time at lunch. Hopefully, get the information you need. So, seller presentations, right? You've gotten all the way down the pipeline. You've gone. You've run comps. You've seen what the house looks like. You've gotten your pictures, and now it's time to make the offer, right? And we're going to use a number of just say that the seller wants a hundred thousand dollars, and that you can't offer more than seventy, right? How do you make that offer? And what does it sound like? So I think one of the big things that we talk to is, or we talk about in our private group, is listening to the seller's why. Why are they selling? What is their motivation, right? Getting to, if there are pain points, how do you get to that? How do you understand when it's time to do the most listening, meaning like most people are so busy talking and they have their agenda and they've got the script and they're so worried about trying to get things across to a seller. And instead they should be listening to the seller to get as much information by doing the least amount of talking. Right. And that's where I feel like any of those guys that are interested in learning this kind of stuff need to really take the time, women, men, whatever, take the time to read any, Sales tactic books. Uh, one that I think is a really good one is Chris Voss, Never Split the Difference. I really like a lot of his stuff. It's very helpful. Um, a lot of those tactics work really well. But one of his things he's big on is um, finding the black swan of the conversation, finding the problem in the conversation, because here's how you're going to get to the motivation of making this offer, right? And, and we call this the anchor of the price. And then the seller says, I want 100 and you can't offer more than 70. Well, you're not that far off, right? There's just a few questions you need to ask and things you need to say in order to make this statement of saying, yes, you can get to the number. So instead of shoving down the agenda of how many bed, bath, square footage, getting to the points of why they're selling this home to ultimately help solve those pain points, right? Pain points being, Maybe they have a family member they need to move and help. Maybe they have inherited this home and they can't do things with it, right? They don't have the ability or the financials. Um, this could be something where they've owned the property for a long time and you've got a tired landlord that's just tired of dealing with it. 
Or what if they own this property free and clear, but they just can't afford to keep getting the tax bill, right? It could be as small as two, 300 bucks a month, but that could be something that doesn't work for them, right? Um, but back to the Columbia one that we were dealing with was we had gone in and done our numbers based on what we saw another property that had sold and was almost identical, right? So the seller had paid a hundred or the buyer had paid $120,000 for this home. Our ARV said we couldn't be over 70, right? So we contracted up at 90 because we saw $120,000 sale. And this goes back to knowing your numbers, right? And being solid with your numbers and being okay with walking away or for the time being sticking to your numbers and pulling back, right? How many times have you heard a seller say, I got four other offers. I'm not worried about yours. If you get it, great. If you don't, you don't, right? Like I'm sure most of the people you're watching now, watching this replay have heard this statement before. It's a very common one, right? That's okay because if you stick with your numbers, you know what works, you know what doesn't work, right? But getting back to the pain point of the seller to helping solving their problem. And that's the most important part here. I think too many people are just focused on the number. They're not focused on actually listening to a seller, helping the seller, and truly caring, right? Like, guys, people want to do business with people they trust, like, and believe. If none of that is part of your conversation, you've already lost. I don't care who you are. I don't, it doesn't matter anything. Like that's usually why we as a company and our acquisitions and dispositions guys get good deals is because they've made a connection with the seller and that seller or buyer knows that they're really going to work with them and at the best capacity. Right. And I mean, this is where we came back and we got bit with this one. So we went in, it was at $90,000 and we couldn't be more than 70. And lo and behold, um, we had to come back and tell them. And me as the owner was going to do what we said we were going to do and follow through and have to close on this thing, right? Knowing that I was walking into a deal where I was going to lose almost $15,000 right off the bat because we messed up our numbers. But we went back and we were able to tell the seller and talk to him about what happened and why and what, uh, very specific, like what happened and why and what, what went down. And that seller gave us the reduction, right? Not only did we get the reduction, but we they thanked us for actually doing what we said we were going to do and following through with it. This allowed us to get a reduction. We're actually able to turn around and sell it, make a little bit of profit, um, and ultimately close the deal out, right? So following what you do, you say you're going to do, and do it. That's a very big thing in this business. There's a lot of people that aren't doing that. So making this offer to the seller is your first anchor. And then there's the bottom price, there's your best price, and then there's that percentage in between, right? So uh, how does that sound when you're talking to a seller and you, and you say, hey, you know, I, I think the best I'm going to get at is the lowest. I, I know I can't go any higher than 50, or in this case, let's just say it's 70. And the seller says, I need to be at 100. All right, I understand you need to be at 100, but let's talk about that. How do you see yourself? going lower only because this home sold for this amount. It wasn't the same square footage, but does this fit what you're trying to do as far as be done with this headache or can we help you? Because it doesn't, it seems as though maybe there's people that are giving you numbers that aren't really going to be able to close, do what they say they're going to do versus if we back into this number and show you why this works, 
would you be willing to go with us knowing that it's a solid deal, knowing that it's a real closing, right? Versus maybe somebody did their numbers wrong. They got close to the number you were asking for, right? In this case, somebody offered you 90. You said you wanted 100 and we can't give you more than 70. But we know we're going to close because this is why we backed into this number from because this amount of repairs or things are selling for this amount. But also knowing that you don't have to pay for it anymore. There are no more mortgage payments. There is no headache. You're able to be done with this situation or this headache or this life event that's just killing you. Right. That's what this conversation is. And that's why it takes so much time to listen to your seller. How are you helping them solve their problem ultimately to get into being able to fix the problem and close on the deal? So, guys, again, if you would, anybody that's here watching, um, please let us know where you're coming in from. I see Roy there. Awesome. Glad to see he's hanging out. Um, let's see. Who else do we have out here, guys? Um, yeah, today we're talking about making seller offers and seller presentations and what that looks like. And being able to talk to sellers and have a conversation of a negotiation. Um, again, I'll always mention to anybody, any negotiation books, but specifically to that Chris Voss book, really good, really good guy, really, um, really tactical, but very straightforward the way he talks and the way he presents. Um, if you anything on the backstory of Chris, he was a hostage negotiator for the FBI and international for that matter. So he was all over the place. Everybody has three main components, um, and those components are whether you feel it, whether you hear it, and whether you believe it are the three components that he talks about all the time. It's really good. You have to remember that when you're talking to sellers, right? This is a massive piece of this business. To understand what you're trying, obviously where you're going is your point, but how do you get there with helping the seller bring them to that reality of, I can't make this offer. I can't give you that number only because of this, right? But I can help you solve this problem, which ultimately allows you to get to this number, right? And that's where we're talking about making these presentations that are very uncomfortable with people. So I always tell people, <laughs> this is one that goes across the board, right? And it's one that you probably, people that are hearing me now or hear me in the past that I say it all the time, and I call it the free dessert. Right. And this is one that makes people either really uneasy or they're comfortable doing it. And what that sounds like is when you're done with dinner and I don't care where you're at. Right. It could be lunch, dinner, whatever. When you're done and the waitress right before she asks you anything else, uh, you say, well, I just wanted to see if I could get that free dessert. Two things are going to happen there. You're either going to be told no right off of the bat or she's going to ask you, what do you mean? And you're either going to talk your way into that dessert or you're not right and but what this does is make you feel very uncomfortable and it makes you it gets you that uneasy feeling right because now you get the jitters out i mean this is just a random person for dessert right the reason this works is because now when it's time to talk to sellers and you have to make this drastically low number the jitters and the feelings come back but you felt them before right and the more and more you do this the easier it gets and this works in multiple different fashions, right? It's not like just food. But for example, if you're at a hotel and you ask for an upgrade, um, why? Oh, I just wanted to see if it was available. If you don't ask, you'll never get the answer, right? Worst case is they tell you no. 
or you figure out how to work your way and talk your way into it to make it happen. The reason for this, though, is to get you out of this uncomfortable zone, this uncomfortable feeling. I've had people that have worked with us and talked about it a lot. And what's funny is, is I'll get texts and be like, oh, my God, it worked. It's like a picture of an ice cream or like a picture of a piece of pie. Or One of the examples I use a lot of times is um, me and my wife are flying and we're traveling. And I left my computer in the back of an airplane backseat, right? And so we had, we're kind of running behind, run to the next terminal. We get there. And I go to sit down and I realize like, oh, damn, I left my computer, right? So Kristen's like, or my wife, she tells me, she's like, well, that's it. It's gone. You're not going to see that again. So I was like, hold on. So like I flagged down the lady. She comes over and I was like, hey, I know it's probably not going to happen. But is there a way that you could ask the captain of the plane that we just left over at this terminal? Um, I think I left my computer in the back of the seat. If there's any way possible that they could possibly run that down to me. And she was like, I'll check, but probably not going to happen. I was like, okay, cool. So <laughs> probably 10 minutes later, the captain comes over on the speaker and says, um, attention, we have a guest that left a computer over on another flight. And fortunately enough, they're there and they're going to run it down for us, right? My wife leans over to me and goes, you and your free damn dessert. <laughs> I was just laughing because you had, didn't know if you didn't ask, Right. I mean, think about that. That's a flight that's delayed for probably a few hundred people that the captain was nice enough just because I asked. So what does that look like when you're dealing with sellers, right? Did you ask? Did you do it in a fashion that was respectful, but, you know, just asking? It gets you out past these comfort zones and it allows you to feel more comfortable and get deeper into the question and watch what happens when you do this. Okay. It allows you to get your presentation out to a seller for real reasons, right? Like that makes sense. And ultimately it's sticking with your number, but it's having a real talk. So again, guys, thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Hopefully this is some stuff that's helping you guys. Um, anybody that's here and watching, let us know where you're coming in from. If you're seeing the replay, uh, let us know where you're coming in from. Today's talk uh, was about offer presentations and how you're doing that. And, um, make sure I check my notes over here. I'm checking you guys on the stuff that we were, stuff we were going over. Um, the key is knowing your confidence on your numbers. Yep. Ashley wrote you guys over there. Um, let's face it. Every deal is not a winner. That's very true. That's another one I want to touch on. Um, every call that comes in is not the golden goose, right? There are going to be times where it just doesn't make sense. And you have to understand that going into these. Okay. You have to understand that it's not a deal right? But you have to listen to the seller for what they're saying in order to know if there's even any motivation there, right? You got to get through so many calls in a day, so many offers in a day in order to go follow up appointments and then actually go on these appointments and then get things done, right? In order to make revenue. So having the knowledge to be able to make these offers, know it didn't work and you can walk away, put it in your CRM, your notes, whatever your reminder system is and say, hey, I got to follow up with that person and two, three, four, two months, whatever the follow-up time is, life changes for everybody. So today might not be the sale, right? Today is probably not the day and that's okay. Follow up with that person. This is where we get back into the follow-up game, right? That's where most of the deals are done is in follow-up. Guys, 80% of your competition is gone on the fifth touch. And those are real numbers, not just our numbers. Those are real numbers across the board. Any business, the fifth touch is usually the time you make the sale. Right. And sometimes a little more just depends. But 
again, guys, this is being very comfortable with walking away from a call that might not be the sale. And it just, it's, you have to be comfortable with that as well. Um, honestly, sometimes it's better to know when you've been outbid and walk away so you don't spend a lot of time um, on the back end trying to sell an overpriced deal. That's very true. So this is another one that it's stick to your numbers, right? Don't go outside of them. Um, the formulas work, the numbers work, they don't lie. Um, a seller telling you like, I've got a higher offer from somebody else, completely understandable. I think that might be your guy. Um, if it doesn't work out though, I'll be over here to follow up with you in two weeks. Um, I have a number, this number I know that works and uh, I'm willing to you know, offer it to you and be done, right? And know that it's gonna close because you stuck to your numbers. Um, instead of contracting up higher and then going out and, you know, not having the delta or the difference to make the profit margin spread. Um, and then you're having to go back to the seller and negotiate lower when you shouldn't negotiate, you shouldn't have contracted up to begin with. Like this is part of the business, right? And second, massively, massively. So guys, I want to thank you so much for hanging out. Hopefully this information was helpful. Um, Again, if you ever need anything from us, feel free to reach out. We're always available over at wholesalingoutofthebox.com. Uh, tons of information over there for you for things you need to do the business. Um, always check us out. Uh, if you haven't checked us out at Virginia Wholesale Real Estate, um, sign up there. It's a free Facebook group. Answer the questions and join the group and uh, be interactive in it. Share some information and you know do stuff like this and um, be helpful and just come in there and learn if, if anything. Right. And hopefully, again, watching these are helpful and watching the replays. Um, we've got the podcast out there, wholesaling out of the box. Um, but always check us out. If you need anything, um, please feel free to reach out. I appreciate you guys taking the time to watch this and stick with us. As always, thanks a lot. We'll see you next time. Hey, everyone. It's Ashley with Wholesaling Out of the Box. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We've got a lot more content coming for you on your podcatcher of choice, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all of the above. So we'd really, really appreciate it if you would be willing to write a review if you have the time today for us down on whatever, wherever you're listening to this, because reviews help us so much to get in front of more people. And it lets us see what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong what you're interested in, things like that. So give us any kind of feedback. Sean and I are always saying we like all feedback, all uh, constructive criticisms so that we can get better, so that we can give you the content that you're looking for. So if you could leave us a review, that would be magical. And that's that's it. Thanks for listening.